0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello hockey fans and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We are talking with JD Stiles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las
1: Vegas franchise history, George Nixby. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life.
0: This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek. There's something about George McSee that everybody says is a good
1: pick.
0: This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of Hockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is the episode that we've been waiting for for two years. This is an expansion draft, entry draft, breakdown special. We're going to be joined, as always, by Dana Lane, our Knights Insider. He's going to go through all these things one at a time. Chris and I, we're going to break the ice talking about all of the other Issues, trades, other NHL news that have gone on in the last week, and there's a lot to get to. So I'm gonna bring in Chris. Good day to you, sir. Well,
2: good day to you, sir. Yeah. Where do you want to start? You want to start the aisle?
0: Now, I guess that's uh, right up your alley. Let's do it. We have uh, all right. The first yeah, deal. Tr- It was Everly Everly for Strom.
2: Yep. Um, you know, uh, it's a uh, it's a good deal for, bo- for both. Uh, for the Isles, they get a proven 50 to 60 point producer. Uh, you know Ryan Strome. His first year and a half was terrific, and really just has lost his way a little bit. Been very inconsistent. Uh, much more uh, Edmonton gets a good cap relief. Um, you could see a first line of John Tavares centering Jordan Eberle and Andres Lee. That sounds pretty exciting. And then uh, today, um, Travis Hamanick moves on. Uh, it's sad to see him go, but quite honestly, in today's cap world, with having Boychuk and Letty locked up to long-term deals, and Kyle Vindahan, who's really come on uh, on uh, uh, on pretty much the level of Hamanick, some with, uh, with a much better year than Hamanick last year as a restricted free agent. So... Somebody was going to have to go and Hamanick, uh sign for three more years at a cap-friendly $3.86 million um, number. So the Islanders and uh, Avalanche have been going uh, knocking heads. I'm trying to get a Matt Duchesne deal done. I don't know where, you know, the last I heard that was dead, but then after maybe this trade um, with Calgary and the Islanders got all these picks, you know, the, the Islanders are still very uh, – they, they still have – still want to make – one more big move before free agency is over, and that is to land a proven second-line center. So they're in on Gautchenyuk. They're in on Duchesne, as long as Joe Sackett doesn't demand Matthew Barzell. Um, you know, I'd watch out for Anisimov on Chicago. I've heard his name possibly could be available. Uh, and then free agency next week with the Hamannick trade, in addition to uh, acquiring future assets, it opened up quite a bit of cap. It opened up quite a bit of cap room. The Islanders have everyone signed, other than Dahan. so they have about ten, a little under ten million dollars in cap space. So, if a trade is, doesn't work, uh, they could go after Martin Hansel. They could go after Sam Gagne. or my my choice would be Nick Benino. Now, obviously, in free agency, there's a lot of competition, and everyone goes for, you know, far too much money for far too many years. So. We'll have to see, but Garth still has one more big move yet to make. He got incredible value for Hamannick, and I, like I said, uh, I wouldn't expect them to make a trade with another defenseman, but they could definitely trade a forward, you know, maybe a Brock Nelson and a prospect and, and uh, you know, some of these picks. But next year's draft is uh, on the par, or the early word, it's on the par of the last two, and the Isles have two first-round picks and two second-round picks. So uh, that is tremendous.
0: Definitely. We're also busy at the expansion draft with, uh, Vegas, but like we'll get into a little bit later. Um, my thoughts, I think probably good for Edmonton for the cap space, cause they're going to have a bunch of these kids that are ready to get re-signed here in a couple of years. Um, and always has been their, their issue. Um, they, I think they still need another, maybe one more D, but that's, uh, a very nice pick. They lost Reinhardt, who really maybe wasn't in their pl- in their plans in the expansion draft, um, well, which Reinhardt you're very Russ. familiar with.
2: Right. They did resign Chris Russell yesterday to a four-year deal, four okay. years, sixteen million okay. uh, for what that's worth. But I agree with you. I still think they need somebody else on top of that.
0: Well, you look you look at where their defense is now with with bringing in Larson and Sekera and and Aminic now. Um, much better positioned than they have been for the last de- decade. I would say well, on and the blue Cal- line after
2: Cal- and- uh, and Calgary. Calgary,
0: right, right, right. My bad, my bad. So I think that's the one place that Edmonton needs needs to shore up one more position there and solid top four. But still, still moving in the right direction. I think maybe that's what the cap space is going to be used for. Let's uh. Let's go to Desert now. Maybe the second busiest team, uh, Phoenix Coyotes, um, picking picking through what they've done. They they did get rid of the seven million dollar cap hit that Mike Smith anchor. Uh, on their set, although Arizona is not afraid of, of picking up dead cap space, but um, they they so they got rid of that, and then they bring in Halmerson. And I'm trying to sort through it. They give yeah, up. Yeah, they bring they in Ticker, up, Derek uh, Stephon,
2: Connor Murphy.
0: Bring in, yeah, and they Vandereen,
2: bring in Derek Stephon, Yep, Derek Stephon and Anthony Rotna. So they got their they got their number one goalie, Louis DeMang, will be the backup, and they got Stepon to kind of lead those young forward kids, and they have Homerson, uh to help uh, in terms of veteran D, and you know help a guy like Chickering. So, um, uh, and they still want to, uh, make well, a it. Move. I think commerce
0: uh, takes a lot of pressure off of, uh, OEL down there too. Right. I think that's a good move for them.
2: Yeah, I think it's, I think it is a very good move. It's glad to see Arizona do that. It was interesting. They had the fallout with Dave Tippett. Um, so they're, they're without a coach, so they have to get a coach, but they, they, they got their goalie and, um, you know, I'll be curious to see if they have a couple more moves. They said they they want to do more, so I'll be curious to see what else uh, they're going to do. Obviously, uh, you know, Clayton Keller will be part of that team next year, uh, this coming year. Right. Dylan uh, uh, Ryan Strom, and then you have, uh, uh, you know, Max Domi and, you know, all the other kids that they have. Logan Krause, so uh, the whole sweater up. If yeah, they, play, they, yeah, they disappointed a- last
0: season. They disappointed last season, and I think maybe we were projecting too much. <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> too much onto the the young kids and where they were in their development, and where it was being ready to play? it. on and Hol- Homerson yeah. and Ranta is gives them that veteran presence that perhaps they were missing. Um, they, they do move on from Shane Doan, which I don't know if that, that created the risk um, with Coach or, or whatever happened with that. But now they're in the market for a coach, and I heard Lindy Ruff is off the market this morning. He's uh, rumored to be joining Veno in the New York Rangers staff, so don't look for Lindy to go down to Phoenix. It's going be, to be interesting this late in the game to see where they go with a coach.
2: Yeah, it might be a young guy. So, we'll see. Like I said, I, I, I like what they've done so far. And it's good to see. Good for those fans. Uh, uh, there's no reason why they can't be competitive in that division next year. So, um, I'd like to see another veteran or two added to that mix with all those young kids.
0: Yep. Well, like you said, they, they're not done. So, uh, maybe more to come from Phoenix. Stay tuned. Let's... Uh Let's go to the let go to the Hawks. They did not apparently like it being swept in the first
2: round, Chris.
0: I don't think that
2: sat well with Mr. Bowman. Yeah, they uh they definitely made uh a number of uh <laughs> number of moves. Uh they they definitely took a hit to their blue line in terms of veteran presence. We've talked about Harmison. Uh, they lost Trevor uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who got flipped to Carolina through the expansion draft. Um, interesting, they they uh, traded Saad for Panarin. But from what I, heard, from what you read through the tea leaves and through the information, it sounds like they really wanted they had the last couple of years have had trouble finding the right player to play with Jonathan Tate, and you know sod obviously being a former Hawk, so that could really fit in well there. Um, yeah but like I said, you know Connor Murphy's a young guy, so they get they get a little bit younger uh, with these moves, and again, supposedly they're not done, although they're near their cap limit, obviously, they took a blow with this martin uh uh Marion Homarn Marion host news uh he's out for the year, and they're not really gonna get any cap relief until the second night of the season, which basically hamstrings them this offseason season in terms of caps cap space from that standpoint, so um they're they still uh they still need you know still gonna look to make some moves they picked up a backup goalie um from columbus i believe in the columbus field that's gonna be their backup goalie so they still have some work to do uh they gotta get a little bit uh, they need another defenseman in my opinion on that on that team so it sounds like they might have a couple moves in them uh but keep in mind um they're kind of near the brink of uh the cap already so. Almost has to be a dollar for dollar situation, I think. So, uh, uh, give, give or take. But yeah, very. Uh, they've been an interesting story so far.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we know Saad and his game um, probably maybe relates better to the playoff style game than uh, Panera. And I. I'm not sure if it was to save future cap space against having to re-sign him when he gets RFA UFA status way down the road, but there was. I mean, there's definitely years. a dynamic. Th- yeah, but you have a, this dynamic chemistry on the second line with him and Kane. Um, it's I, I I get it, but it's it's tough to move that kind of when the deal doesn't give you. Don't get me wrong. Saad's a, a player and a management favorite. Being considered without a salary cap, world, he never would have had to leave Chicago. I, I, I get all that. Um, I just wonder if if that uh, if you lose that dynamic on the second line to get someone to play with Taves on the line, then then uh, hopefully. And and Chicago's one of the best at, at retooling and reloading, so uh, far be it from me to question anything. It just seems seems like maybe they didn't get enough for that kind of a dynamic player in Panarin.
2: Yeah, I mean Son's only twenty four and he's done so much in the game already. He's won been part of two cup winning teams. He's signed for the next forty years. Yeah. You don't have to war you know, so there's there's a lot of value there, you know, obviously uh right. Uh Takes him right to his UFA year. Yeah, these these kind of trades are you know tough to make because uh, well, for the reasons you mentioned. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe they're better with Panarin in the regular season, but Saad in the postseason. But Saad still is the guy himself. Yeah, and yeah. he he could still put up points himself. Panarin's a you know goal scorer for sure, but uh, not that Saad doesn't score goals. But uh, yeah, there's no there's no doubt that. Um, uh the 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 hawks are uh uh motivated to to change the roster around
0: and fr- from the from the blue jackets perspective um i i obviously i like them acquiring that dynamic scoring player that maybe is lacking that element on in their top six right
2: yeah, and then and, uh, a hidden gem in that deal, Ty Lamont didn't have a great, you, you know, sure. I, I don't know his numbers in front of me, but he's a he's a young player, and uh, so he can kind of be in a secondary role in Columbus. So um, and that that could be a guy to, to keep an eye out for. It could be like the hidden gem in the deal as well. So yeah, the, the, from Columbus' standpoint, um, they got they got the be- they got the best goals score in the deal for sure.
0: And then they had a Columbus had a little side deal. Also, Uh, Jordan Schrader goes to Minnesota. Dante Salaturo comes back. Um, I honestly don't know too much about either one of those players, but that's that is another another deal that Columbus makes to uh, probably forward depths going back and forth each way. Um,
2: Yeah. So we uh, we talked a little. The other. Go ahead. Real quick. The other two. Quick trades I want to hit before, uh, uh, and I want to talk a little a little draft, especially from a Vegas angle. You know, the Rangers obviously are very busy, uh, but, you know, trading Stepon and losing Oscar Lindbergh in expansion, uh, what are their plans at center? So that's something to watch out for, and we know, and this will lead into our draft discussion, we know how... Philly feels about Nolan Patrick if he's ready for the NHL by trading Braden Chen to St. Louis. So, And keep in mind that uh, one of the, the the assets Philly got for the Braden Chen trade occurred at the end of the first round last night at the 27th pick. And how did the, the yeah. Bulls have that pick? Oh, that that was the first-round pick for Kevin Shattenkirk. So Kevin Shattenkirk, along with, I think, a pick and another player that they got in that deal, and that first-rounder turned into Braden Chen. So... Uh, They were able to turn uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, who is about to be a UFA, into Braden Shen, who's uh, signed for the next four years. So, uh, you know, interesting moves by all those teams.
0: Well, the Flyers also picked up their 2018 first-round pick in that Braden Shen deal as well. Uh, It's conditional, and I'm not sure what the conditions are, but um, the Blues had to send next year's first-round pick as well.
2: Yes. Correct.
0: P- pretty steep for Vegas. Chin
2: and and Yori Lucera, yeah. of course. Yeah, and a good depth center in Lucera. So, and that leads us into the draft, which you know there, I guess there was some moderate surprises. I mean I guess one of which it looked like for a while there wasn't going to be a trade, uh, but there were three trades in the last five picks. But other than that, and I guess let's since we are the Vegas Hockey Podcast, why don't we kick it off with the three first round picks for Vegas? Uh, Cody Glass, Nick Suzuki, and Eric Branstrom.
0: Yeah, well, unlike in our mock draft where uh, Shiger, I think, picked Glass going to Vancouver at pick five, and I did catch a little bit of Mr. McPhee on the, the broadcast saying they, they were working on a deal to go to three and didn't didn't like it, working on a deal to jump up to five, and then felt like Vancouver was probably going to go in a different direction and just held tight at the number six spot. And as Dana Lane and you a good month and a half ago now, to this Golden Knights, I think you and me are in agreement. And if it's any judge at all, the kids seem genuinely excited and happy to have been picked by the Golden Knights. in all of his draft news after after the selection process,
2: um,
0: it's a you know it's a big thing to see the excitement, an expansion team, and, and you can just see that he's eager to grow and eager to grow with the franchise. And I, I think first and foremost, that's a, it's a great pickup for the Vegas Knights at that slot.
2: Yeah, what I love about the way this played out, too, even though Cody Glass is the highest pick in the first pick. Because they got three kids, so like none of them should feel like, oh boy, I'm, uh, you know, I'm the first rounder for Vegas. This is their first draft. I got the weight of the world on my shoulders when I come up. You know, there's a there's a trio of them, and uh, I would yeah. think that would take uh, take take a bit of the pressure off. Um, I'm a big Cody Glass fan, as you know. I wanted that's the guy I told you I think for the last month. I, I wanted to be on the board. He's smart. He's got speed. He's got a two-way game. You know, Suzuki is a guy who's, uh, the word that comes up is tenacity. Again, uh two-way game, uh, able to, you know, make a difference at key times. Just so, you know, a guy who uh, just wants it very badly, who was, you know, both were basically ranked in those spots. I, I guess it was a little bit of a surprise for me, at 15, after they took the two centers, I figured they were going to go defense. Uh, I I texted you saying, I really like Cal Foote, and he was taking one spot before with Tampa Bay. Yeah. I thought they were going to go with uh, uh, Val- Valenaki, uh or, or Uh So I was a little I thought um, surprised. Yeah, I was a little surprised when Brandstrom, um, then going back and doing uh, doing the work on him on. Last night, I can see why they took him. Um, he was projected to be a kind of a late first rounder, if you will. But in you know, but again, everything about him, you know, when you hear skill, smart, you know, good on the power play, does everything, you know, terrific. Um, but he, he's a smaller guy, you know. He's a, a Swedish player, five five ten. I heard five nine on the broadcast 180. last night. One eighty. One eighty. So. He's not going to be the big, but, you know, uh, I put this guy's name all the time. Uh, I call him Calmaker, but how do you say his name again?
0: McCarr.
2: McCarr, thank you. Uh, you know, he's yeah. not a big guy either, so I really like, you know, I think, again, proof will be in the pudding um, between Branstrom and the other guys. As long as Branstrom's a good player, then, uh, you know, the Golden Knight fan base should, should feel really good with their three spots, and and we're not gonna go too crazy in terms of all the picks today, but picking up Nick Cate, who who was a guy most felt was a late yeah. first round pick early in the second round today, uh, for Vegas was another good move. So you know, in those first you know 34 picks, having four of them getting two really good centers, two really good defensemen, who two years from now could be part of, be you know part of the core of this team moving forward.
0: That's a lot to be excited about, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, you take all this with a grain of salt. You got four of the first thirty-four picks. I'd say if if fifty percent of them, um, and it could be Hagen, Glass, it could be Suzuki and and Branstrom. If if two of the guys end up regular NHL players, um, I think that's a, a solid B draft um, that's I, I, I know a lot of people in Vegas are new to the entry draft you know every NFL player who gets drafted in the first round makes the roster the first year out of the gate these aren't those kinds of players and in the NHL draft it is very seldom the case that a even a first round. Now we go back to the 2015 draft when more than half of those players are already regulars in the NHL. That is a big aberration from what is expected out of a first round pick in the in the NHL. It's just that draft for the ages.
2: And you you have to feel pretty good about your team, the LA Kings, having Gabe Velarde slip and fall into their laps at uh, pick 11, I would say.
0: 100 100%, 100% I couldn't believe he was still available and I was we when we did our mock draft with uh uh Kings on and fast and taking Nick's it was I uh, Carolina takes Martin Nikas. Uh, one slot ahead of the knights, and you know we can only imagine if they was still there if they would have went that direction. Um, I, I was, I, I and then Tippett even going the 10th, a little bit yeah, lower Matt
2: than a lot of told me, Yeah, Matt Pryor told me if he was on the board, he was going to be surprised if Florida didn't take, didn't take him. Uh, you know, I, thought it, I yeah. thought it was interesting that Michael, Michael Rasmussen went at nine. Uh, I know our colleagues last week who did a great job, Zach Devine and Mark Scheig, uh, both liked Rasmussen, but really towards the end of the first round. So, um, you know, but they probably wanted to take a defenseman there, um, but there really wasn't one on the board worth taking. I mean, Rasmussen's a guy that, you know, he could be a top six player or he could be a third-line center. So we'll we'll just have to see. Uh, I thought it was interesting, too, that Toronto was the team with Lilligren giving Babcock and, yeah. you know, his demand. But but having said that, you know, talent wins out at the end of the day. And this kid last year, you know, he had mono. He got traded. For whatever reason, he was on four different teams. So, look, at the beginning uh this time last year, that kid was, by most draft experts, uh, the second-ranked prospect in this year's draft. Player. So in the, to be, yeah, yeah, absolutely. In the, so to get a kid like that at 17, and you need defense, give him a couple of years over there to hone his game and work on what he has to work on, it, to me, was it was the, definitely the right pick uh, based on um, you know, they do not have a lot of blue-liner pro- prospects in the pipeline. So they need they needed to go blue line there, and those were the best choices at that point. So uh, uh, I, I like I said, it's a little boom or busty, but we'll we'll see if it's a boom. Look out with, with the with the forwards that they have on that team.
0: Yeah, if he if he ends up being the the puck moving dynamic defenseman that everyone you know projected him to be, and I'm a I'm a you know I'm nobody but I give him a pass if you're traded four times and you have mono for a month or whatever two months during the season um, it doesn't shouldn't change what, what people think of you uh, and and like you said at the start of the season they were he was a consensus number 2 Um, I'm just going to read this straight off EliteProspects.com. Skilled offensive defenseman, excellent skating skills, combined speed with strong puck handling skills, makes him a spectacular player to watch. Um, The the knock, it says decision-making at times questionable, room for improvement in that category. Guy in in a couple years on the back end behind Matthews Marner,
1: Mm -hmm. Nylanders.
0: Um, so on and so forth. Um, good luck, Eastern Conference. <laughs> I mean, if he turns yeah. into uh, Carlson Jr. or Brent, Brent Burns Light or any anything like that, um, he's six. He's six foot one, ninety five. Um, you know, when he when he fills out and gets gets, he, he could put a couple inches on and another fifteen pounds. You're looking at a 6'2", 215 dynamic puck mover, um, feeding the puck up to those guys. That's that's going to be a power play. Uh, wow. That's a great yeah, the pick la- for him to fall all the way to Toronto.
2: And the last couple of points for me on, on last night's first round, I thought it was absolute. Nashville must have been thrilled to get Eli Tovalainen, who for whatever reason fell. Most people had him ranked around you know, the middle of the first round to get him at 30. Uh, they had to be absolutely thrilled. And St. Louis, who, who had their second first-round pick, and it was a perfect place to take Clem Costin. Uh Again, he, by all accounts, he's the wild card of the draft. Uh, we had Mark Scheig on uh, last week, picking for Tampa at 14, liked him there. He had him high on his – I think he was in his top five or six in terms of pure talent. The kid was there. The kid has said all the right things. I mean, people worried about – You know Russians, and if he's going to come over, he's like, "Hey, I'm coming over." And if I don't make the team, I'll, you know, I'll go to the AHL or whatever needs to be done. So he's saying all the right things. Just and and especially when you have more than one first-round pick, you could take a chance on somebody like that. Uh, So that was tremendous. And quick two quick stats for you: a number of Americans taken in the first round last night. There were six. And how about how about Finland? Six things taken in the first round yeah
0: time. big time that was one of, one of the underlying stories uh coming out of the draft was how well the the fins did so um it, it was interesting it was interesting first round and one thing and i'm I'm trying to pull it up because the guy's name is escaping me right now the last pick in the first round
2: Clint coston yes Great. who i just mentioned yes
0: yeah okay okay yeah um by all accounts uh could be like you were saying uh NHL ready to come in and and make the roster next year. So trade trading into that spot is uh yeah it's pretty yeah, pretty yeah, pretty he's, interesting he's, move for that.
2: And and uh you know, this comparison he's been compared to Van uh, Vanney, Vanney, uh Malkin. So uh <laughs> Yeah, like I can settle I mean,
0: down.
2: That was, I think, well, no, I'm just everyone I'm just wants saying to throw out yeah. all the
0: comparisons on draft day, but
2: yeah,
0: uh, I always, I always I, I always, I think that was just I, a brilliant. Yeah, don't pump the kid's tires the blues, too full.
2: <laughs> I think uh, the Blues had a really good night, to say the least.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um,
1: <clears throat> what?
0: What? Two years ago, that was a super strong division. Um, and then last year seemed to become a little vulnerable with uh Dallas, St. Louis both taking a step back. Um Chicago, you know, I you know, having Nashville maybe identify some of the weaknesses they have. Um, Nashville on the rise, so St. St. Louis the early off-season leader in the clubhouse uh For me, anyway, in that
2: division. Yeah, no, um, yeah, no. I think it's, I think all those four. I think it's going to take a lot of work from those other three central teams that didn't make the playoffs uh, last year to get one of those spots, and they might have to grab it one of the cards from the Pacific. Quite honestly.
0: Are uh, are you at all disappointed that Minnesota hasn't uh, been a little bit busier? Um, they 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 were hot out of the gate. A lot of people think the, the pad change to the goalies affected Dubnik, at least mentally, coming down the stretch, and they faded fast. So are you a little surprised Minnesota hasn't been doing more here um,
1: well, uh,
2: and well losing, is, losing some
0: of their young, fast players?
2: Right. The word is it sounds like they got to move a defenseman. I don't know. Uh, it, it sounds like all the defenseman talk was on hold because there was a lot of teams after Hamannick, but the problem is after what the Islanders got for Hamannick, in terms of a pure value trade, in terms of you look at a value board, Yeah, setting
0: the market in terms of
2: Yeah, so that's, that could make things, even though he's off the board now and everyone's like, all right, let's move on, it, it, it could complicate things. So you've heard Scandella's name uh, out there. I don't think they're going to trade Dumba. Um, but And obviously, we're waiting on the Golden Knights. I mean, uh, they have 10 defensemen. They're going to move, I would think, at least three. Uh, plus, they need to sure. lower the cap a bit. And to me, any of their defensemen outside of Theodore and Schmidt uh, could be moved. So, um, you know, Mark Madon, obviously, is a guy to keep an eye on uh, for sure. Uh, that, that would be the, the the one player I would think they would cash in uh right now one would
0: think but we'll we'll have to see friend of the show dana lane and that's a good a place as any hey how are you man oh man um someone asked if i was pumped i feel like i've been Punched in the
1: head of, of for the
2: last week, man. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's a lot. La- it's a lot to wrap your your mind around for sure. Uh, but thankfully, it's over, and now now the digestion digestion kind of comes about. But the thing about it too is, you know, once you you know now that you've kind of digested what happened this week, you know, starting Monday is developmental camp, and you know the fun part for me is I get to go to camp and. Try to figure out who's who because I'm sure they're not going to hand out uh, rosters to go along with the proper numbers on the ice. Right, and the correct.
2: You're breaking up a little there, Mark. We know that.
0: Okay, do we know? Do we know if the development camp's open to the public, sir?
1: Yeah, the development uh, the, the camp is open to the public. It's at the Las Vegas Ice Center. There is a limited amount of people that uh can sign up but or can go but uh certainly is open to the public i'm not sure exactly uh what the process is as far as signing up to go uh to to see that i my guess is because there's no information that has come out my guess is it's just first come first served type thing okay okay i'll see if i'm if i'm not at work
0: i'll see you down there
1: um interesting though
0: chris and i were just chris and i were just talking about uh the The defensive availability uh based on they, chime in for second, who, how do
2: you guys how do you guys want to do this do you want to dissect go by position do defense first and then forwards and the goalies and talk about who they selected and what the plans are you want to do it that way or
0: I like that since the defense okay. is still what's really most up in the air um it should be a yep, good, good kick off point um so they take they take a, the you know the the rumor was that they were going to go real heavy on on goalie prospects and use those as their pieces um, moving forward. And I saw Mr. McPhee on the NHL Draft Show this morning. And the reason they didn't do that, according to McPhee, was if you take a bunch of NHL caliber goalies and uh, you know Ronta and Grubauer to to just throw a couple off the top of my head. Those players, if they don't make the roster, those players all have to pass through waivers in order to go down to the minor leagues if they don't get moved. And he didn't want to get hamstrung that way. So the decision was a conscious decision made to go heavy defense and use those as their chips. Dana, where do you where do you see the defense core settling? Um, we we've heard publicly that that Schmidt is off the market and. A couple other players, the young guy is his hands off. Um who who do you think the top six is uh based on who they have now and who's still gonna move?
1: Well, the other thing I wanted to add to the goaltending as well. I mean, you can't be in a situation where you have all these net miners and keep in mind we just came off of George McSpeed basically handcuffing the whole league. So, you know, if I'm the right. the league I might wanna just sit back and watch you kind of wiggle around a little bit with your all with all your goaltenders and you know, <laughs> create some unhappiness. I think, I'm, honestly, you'll, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a reason why he hasn't made more deals. Uh, you know, Mathot is the, the key piece, right? Um, Garrison may be moving, but I think that's maybe the reason why Mathot's still a golden knight this morning is, and and I was talking with Chris a little bit about this. Um, He had the whole league over the barrel, and now they know, you know, the shoe's on the other foot right now. The It's like, okay, uh, it's their turn to say, well, you've got 10 contract defensemen. Um, I'll give you a six. What do you think of that? So I think it's, yeah. it, it, if yeah. we're looking for all these defensemen to move, I think we may be waiting a little closer to maybe July 3rd, 4th, when teams miss out on their defensive. You know, Shattenkirk's going to be out there, but when, when they go through their free agent time period and miss out on the defenseman they wanted. Maybe that's when the offers get increased for Jordan Fee. Yeah, you guys, well, the keep in
2: thing. mind that, oh, if I could throw one thing in, keep in mind what's complicated things in terms of a is he has a 10-team no-trade list and the only Canadian team he could be moved to is Ottawa, and, and per the expansion rules, he can't get traded back to the team he was taken from until January 1st of next year. So, I think that is complicated things as well in
1: terms of the stops.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, four,
1: four point nine million for a guy that's not going to give any offenses is complicating things as well.
0: <laughs> that's a good point.
1: Well, I, I so think he's, he's, he's very well
2: thought of, especially from a contending team. Uh, I, you know, again, I don't know what that ten team. You know, obviously, uh, you have all the Canadian teams, so that's. Uh, other than Ottawa, so that's a half dozen, and you got four more, and then uh, I think McPhee wanted a first-round pick for him uh, when that didn't happen. So I, I think he's going to have to uh, press the reset button. Uh, of course, he could just you know sign for two more years. He could hold on to him and and trade other pieces, and he would be a very sought-after person come the trade deadline next year. Yeah,
1: there, there's there's no true. That's a good me, point. Uh, 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 there's no reason to force a move with Mathad. I mean, obviously, he's going to give you some solid minutes. I mean, we'll, we'll see if he's a product of the system there. But certainly, probably next to Nate Schmidt, he's as good as anybody on the team. I mean, Shea Theodore certainly has a tremendous upside. But as far as a defensive defenseman, I think he's uh, as good as they have. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that they don't have to make any moves right now. He's not a UFA until 2019, so they could hang on to him. but. Uh, boy, that's a that's a big price tag, as far as I'm concerned. You know, for for a guy that's just uh, defense only. What
0: yeah, else? I, what I else tell you, uh, on you, Dana. Go ahead. On the on the defenses.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question.
0: Oh, uh, who who else besides the thought we're kind of focusing on him? Who else sticks out at you as a, as as who could be someone? that gets built around, do we have that player in the system yet?
1: Oh, we we might not have that player in the system, but I have to tell you, I'm, I'm a huge fan of a guy like Colin Miller. I mean, I, I saw Colin Miller play quite a bit um, in Boston. He's not costing you a bunch of money. Is is he, he probably is your best offensive defenseman. He's got a pretty heavy shot. I mean, this is the guy that I, I was surprised early on that they, they had talked about kind of, kind of moving him or looking to move him. And, and honestly, they probably are looking to, to move, you know, just about everybody maybe except a couple. I mean, we talked to um, talked to Bill Foley this week and I asked him, I said, look, you know, you, I, I don't think any of us assumed that you were going to be right up against the cap after expansion day. And he said, well, you know, I, I, now we, we did that and now we have to shed some salary. And I said, okay, well, where are we going to be you know, when you drop the puck and he said at about a 60 million. So if they're at 60 million, that means that they have to drop uh 12, 12 million at this point. So um, that that's going to be in the course on any of the new contracts that they take on as well. So that's going to be, that's, that's the problem we're taking on a Mark Andre Flores contract. And I, and look, I, we've, we've gone through this back and forth a million times. I, I love him as a player for sure. And I think it's great. And I love to pick up, Pickup of Calvin Pickard, and I think that that is great as well. But five point nine, if he doesn't play well, and he looks bad doing it, or you know, I mean, obviously, you know, look, his his goals against is not going to go go down. I wouldn't think his yeah, save percentage is going to go down. I wouldn't think. Okay, true. So now you're looking at a guy that potentially you're trying to move at five point eight, you know, five point eight million. Who's got a goal a save percentage that's in in the eight hundreds now, high eight hundreds now. You know, I mean, so he does carry some weight with the three with the three rings for sure, and the gold medal around his neck. And at the same time, you know, teams will say, okay, well, we understand he was playing in front of a, an expansion or on an expansion team, but that is a real high price. To pay for a marc Andre Fleury when you might have gotten somebody uh, that could give you the same, probably close to the same result at a much less price. And,
0: uh, going back to Colin Miller real quick, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Colin Miller too. When he was in the Kings organization in the AHL All Star Game, he won the hardest shot competition and the fastest skater comp- combination. So to have that young, young kind of skill, not too many defensemen are going to be able to come through and bring both those qualities. Um, so I, I always like Colin Miller and if, if we can even go back, um, Chris, Chris will remember when we were talking about the Milan Luchus deal that that was the, the piece I did not like being included in that trade. Um, be, just because of his skill set, sets, kind of unique, um, you know, coming, coming out of the AHL with, with. You know, speed and a bomb shot as he progresses, that's the kind of guy who's going to quarterback power plays for you. So I, I, I like the Colin Miller thing. And then on the Flurry thing, I, I got to agree with you on that, but it was really cool to see um, the very next day. It's 118 <laughs> degrees out here, and yeah, what do you yeah. see all over the media is is Marc-Andre Flurry in a sweaty gym putting putting goalie pads on six, seven, eight year old kids and running hockey clinics for the kids in town. And, and I'm not just going to single him out. A couple of the other players were with him as well. And they passed up some opportunities to tour the strip in a helicopter and do all those sorts of things. So they could come in and run this, this kid's camp, the very, the, you know, the very first day in town, no one's going to blame him for, for going home, digesting it with his family. Um, Maybe maybe coming out next week and doing some of those things, but I see why Pittsburgh loved that guy so much. Is that he came out with a smile on his face, didn't have any hesitation about jumping right into the community. So the the price that you may have to eat in order to move that guy, I think he may make up in his it just who the man is um, and the welcome. Well, maybe won't want him when, he, when he. Yeah, no, for sure. He, you know, it—it's it, apparent right now that that's going to be your face of the franchise. That's the—that's the name. That's the guy. And I don't think they probably, from that aspect, could have probably got a better guy to do it. So I, I'm on board with the flurry thing. If if you got to eat a couple bad years, then I think what he could do for the community as far as hockey. It's only, guys, he's only—he's um,
2: only signed, for, he's he's only only signed for two more years. So hey, he's only signed for yeah. two yeah. more years. So it's yeah. not like. Yeah, he's he's got two good years in, in him. If I can uh, chime in on I, 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 terms of the decent, sure. I think what what might hurt them, uh, not hurt them, but uh, has, has things a little, what seems stagnant right now. I'm sure in this you know cap world, uh, everyone's probably calling McSee and saying, well, I really like McNabb, who I think has a one million exchange cap number, or Colin Miller who has a small cap number. And, and McPhee's probably like, well, I'd like to keep those pieces, even though McNabb is a, a UFA after next season. And like uh, Dana just said about the payroll and, and the cap number, you know, Mathot, 4.9 the next two years, and then Garrison, Emelin, and Spisa, where they picked it up, you know, all solid, uh, different games in different ways. But, you know, Garrison, 4.6, Emelin, 4.1. I think, is 3.2, and all three of them only have one year to go. So if you're an acquiring team and you're like, yeah, Jason Garrison can help me or Emily can help me, but they'll only sign for one more year. I mean, I'm not going to go crazy and give a team, you know, a second-round pick for players who might only be on my team for one year. So I think those are the good players that Vegas is probably trying to move and trying to get, you know, very good – you know, front-end draft value, uh, be it second and third-round picks, and keep McNabb and Colin Miller. I mean, to me, if they have Reinhardt and Merrill uh, stuck here in the AHL, that's no problem with that. But that that still means they have to move at least two of those other defensemen. So, I think that's I think that's where they're at right now. I think as more players get moved yeah. off the board, like today with Hamanek, Gandelo seems to be next. Creativity is thin at defense. I, I, you know, it might take to, uh, you know, July fourth or July eighth or whatnot for this to get to resolve. But I, I think McPhee will be very patient and wait for the right move.
1: I will say this: there's a definite theme to the defensemen that they do have on the team, and every single one of them's got either a mean streak or somebody who's willing to put to punch you in the mouth. I mean, that that is that is definite. I mean, you look at you know, even even a guy like Clayton Stoner. I mean, he he's physical. There's, um, you know, you look at a guy like Isbeva and He's physical, and we know about Alexei Emelin, and you know, I mean, Chris. Even even Chris Thorburn, who you know may or may not be here as as, as well. Uh, who's the UFA is physical and's got pretty good. I mean, very good size. You know, Chris is probably the biggest of the defensemen they have. Um, so there is a definite theme to the defensemen that they have picked up at this. They are going to be mean and nasty and difficult to play against. Now, are they able to? This is this is why you're not able to um, you're not able to get a get a guy like Nate Schmidt out of here because Nate Schmidt is probably your best puck handler and he's he's very good as far as starting the counter and getting the puck out of your net. So that's a that that's a trait that they probably lack, uh, but they will be very difficult and very tough to play against as it stands right now. No, I agree with that even England can can uh put the wood on you so much and that's
0: a little home ground, homegrown home favorite there uh played for the Wranglers back a little bit and uh lives in las vegas full time so it's another little nice piece for uh maybe the marketing department and bring bringing in you know obviously the focus for so long was where they going to get Jason Tucker but they were able to find a the Las Vegas homegrown guy to bring in a two for just a million bucks, so that I thought that was you know another little cool, lo- another little cool thing that they were able to do in the expansion draft. Um, speaking, you, you mentioned Stoner, and I wanted to ask you specifically about Stoner, Dana, because obviously everybody's looking at Manson and Bannon on the board. Stoner was was you know thought of a few years ago as a, as a really solid up and coming defenseman along with. Batten and some of the other young D that Anaheim has and kind of got shuffled back in the, you know, in the depth chart, uh, maybe lost his confidence a little bit. Do you think a fresh start with him having a defined role here and not, not, um, you know, losing what maybe he thought was supposed to be his role um, on that Ducks blue line um, and then also getting Shea Theodore, does that, I think those two guys, I mean, you could take a Sammy Vaughn or a Josh Manson, and that, that's fine and dandy. But having those two together, and I think there's still great upside in Stoner, does that kind of smooth the waters for the, the Anaheim detractors? That's that's one of the, the, you know, I wanted to cover some of the pieces that a lot of the Twitter critics <laughs> have been jumping on me about, why didn't they take this guy, why didn't they take that guy? And at first, at first glance, I was in that boat a little bit. But the more I looked at Stoner and and where he was uh, thought to be, and how that came about to where he ended up with Anaheim, I think that's actually a pretty good defensive package that they got out of Anaheim, don't you?
1: Well, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I, I still think that the jury's out on, on Stoner. I mean, you know we. Played just over a handful of games last year for the ducks, so I think it's uh the jury's still out on him. I mean, obviously, he's a big body, and again, that's kind of been the theme, especially today at the draft That the the theme has been let's get some let's get some big bodies in here, and that you know as that six four and you know it's two fifteen two sixteen. I mean, he certainly fits into what they're trying to do now. I will say this. I, I do like guys coming in here with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, but when you, you break it down, I'm not sure where he where he does have a place on this team. And I, um, I don't, you know, ultimately, you know, I have eight guys that I think that, you know, potentially will be on the opening day lineup if, if things don't change. And, of course, they probably will. Um, he's, he's not um, – he's kind of on the outside of that right now because I think that the he still has a lot to prove. And of course, after we see him and uh, see him in camp and at whatever level of camp he's going to be at, uh, then we'll have a much better opinion on him. But um, honestly, it's, it's difficult to, uh, to have an opinion when you really haven't seen him too much, but uh, he certainly is a, uh, he certainly is a kid that another kid that's, that's going to be physical. He's pretty good defensively. He's, he does have a big contract. And, you know, to me, again, it's uh a little bit bigger contract than I would have liked to have taken, but um, it is clear to me that there is a theme with what George McPhee is, is doing, and that is get big, get big defensemen, uh, and that certainly is is what he did with with Clayton Stoner.
2: What I would what I would say about uh, that pick as well is they got Shay Theodore, you know, the 21 year old sorty of, uh, played in the NHL, played big games in the NHL. He, write it down, he is going to be part of this team for, you know, the next roughly decade. Uh, You know, Michael Stoner, yeah, he's got a $3.2 million cap number. Uh, He's signed for one more year. So he's going to get a chance to show that, you know, he should be part of, you know, the regular top six or the top seven. And if worst case scenario, he doesn't. You know his cap number's gone after next year, and they got Shea Theodore out of it. So, uh, you know, given those givens, uh, to me that was a fantastic move.
0: Okay, well let's uh, let's jump on the forward core because there's a, a, a kind of the same kind of the same philosophy with with much of of the forward core, where they were obviously willing to deal and future picks instead of some of the some of the, the big names that that may have been on some unprotected list but for me my highlight was was dealing with Florida and getting Marcia Show and Riley out of there for I I think they gave up a fifth for for Riley if that's correct I think that was uh, probably fourth. my a fourth okay, okay still yeah um getting those two guys, and obviously Marshall with seven hundred thousand dollar cap hit and thirty goals is probably, in my opinion, the steal of the forward core. So then you get some veterans, you bring in Perron and Neal, and you go with with a couple young kids out of Minnesota. What what struck out to you right away, Dana, with the forward? Core?
1: Uh, I, I tell you this, I, I'm real high on William Carrier. I think he is going to be a guy that people are going to gravitate to. Um, I know that there were some sites having him go down to Chicago, and I just don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to give you a ton of speed. And, you know, I think this is a guy that might you might see challenge for a first or second line spot because, um, honestly, if you put him with Marsha Sheldon, you put him with Rodley Smith, maybe potentially in that first line, uh, I think that he gives that line a a lot of speed, and so you've got the makings of something there. I don't want to take. I, I the, the last thing I want to do is put you know Marsha Shaw with James Neal and uh, you know either Riley Smith or, or Perron. Or, I mean, obviously that's the easiest thing to do because I, I want to spread out the scoring a little bit. But I think if you put a William Carrier in that first line, I think that the, that you're going to see a, a lot of speed. Now, now obviously you know we go second, third, fourth lines and. You know, it goes down pretty quickly. But, you know, say, for instance, you put uh, put a James Neal on that second line or Dave Perron on the third line. I mean, at least you got some some scoring potential, uh, maybe not as much with Perron, but certainly with Neal. And, you know, you got some stability there. My, they are going to have to maneuver a little bit because they're just a, there's just a lack of shortage of guys that play on the right side of the ice. I don't know. You know, I assume that Marsha Shaw is going to be a center. So, uh, I know he's played some wing as well. Um, so you got that, I guess. And Neil is a winger. It's a right winger as well along with Riley Smith. But outside of that, I don't know who's going to play on the right side who's a uh, a guy that's used to playing there. Um, so, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more moves uh, being made because I just – I still think that there are. And And then, of course, you know, the wild card of this whole thing is what Shiffrinoff is going to bring to this, and if Shiffrinoff is the exactly guy that, you know you could you can put on the second line. I I don't think he's coming in here and being some first line center. I, I just think that's a lot to ask, and I I think the NHL is changing. I don't think you take these kids and immediately dump them into a high profile role. I just don't think that's what you do anymore. Uh, even if he makes the opening day roster, which I'm sure he will um i i see him as a second third line. I mean, I yeah. didn't even think when Austin Matthews came in didn't Austin Matthews play on that second line <laughs> you know so um for a couple of he, coffee we'll see <laughs> what, yeah i mean we'll we'll see where he goes as far as that's concerned I think um, but you know it, i think to
0: where you start him, I think you're right about that. I'm not looking for him to come in I think you start him to see but it or three C if you got NHL Oscar Lindbergh
1: as your option.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And it, it, you know, put put a couple veteran
1: NHLers that are,
0: you know, you could you could three C him with Peron
1: and Neil. Um, like either own. one of those is a yeah. Either one of those is a great pair, and I just I don't know who's going to play on the right side yet. I guess that's my only. Those are my holes when I'm trying to put together line combinations. Uh, Yager. Well, you know, Chris forward is your is your option. Uh, you need to go out and build the Yeah, that's for sure. We have
0: in the Yeah, I know you have with us. What do you think of that?
2: Yeah, um I, in terms of the. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you he's talking to me, Mark? Um, two things jumped out at me about the forwards is uh, I really liked uh, the Oscar Lindbergh pickup uh, as well as Riley Smith. In terms of Riley Smith, this was the classic high-low scenario. Um, you know, two years ago he scored 25 goals, got the five-year extension. You know, he's still uh, a young guy. Um, just, I'm a, I've seen him up close and personal and really hurt P. Islanders. And he, he, he's just, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what happened. I mean, a lot of people in Florida had a bad year last year to get him for a fourth round pick. Um, I, I think he's going to he's gonna be part of their top six to the next, uh, you know, for the rest of that contract. and he'd be very happy with that. You know, Oscar Lindbergh is a kind of under-the-radar guy. I think, again, he's only 24 years old. He's a two-way center. He can bring you some offense. Uh, I, I think that was, you know, the Rangers are really going to miss him, uh, and he's gotten also better every season. And he, like I said, he's still only 24. And what's interesting to me about uh, looking at these forwards and defensemen is, uh, of all those players, I think mean, um, they have the Knights have nine players going into next year on they'll walk here. They'll be unrestricted free agents. And other than McNabb and Montesano, uh, I can very easily see all those other guys uh, maybe even moving on in trades and so forth between this summer and the trade deadline. So um, this is a big year for Montesano. Obviously, uh, if he can if he can back up what he did last year, he'll be in, in line for a huge uh, payday. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Knights approach him this summer and see if he'll take a you know four years uh security kind of deal and you not play play under that but you know that's for uh, a you know later date but uh like I said they have nine players Neil, Perron, Marciano Garrison uh Emelin Stoner McNabb, and England all on their last oh on their walk year so uh that's something uh George McPhee, I'm sure will be uh balancing as well
0: well I think we sure has a lot of, probably part of the so strategy.
2: at the trade, deadline.
0: yeah, I think that's all part strategy is when you do get to the trade deadline and uh teams are looking for that you know stay at home big big defenseman or uh, a little little extra depth at the forward position, and then he starts pick forward I think this is all part of the the whiteboard filled in going forward because we you know he said it during his press conference he said it when he was on the show with us and he's repeated the same theme. um you build the team through the draft and you, you're not there's some there from some people that he did player or that player or this isn't you know this team's going to get 20 wins next year and to that i say so Um, based on you know what he's putting in place, and I think I think if you look at when Dean Lombardi came to the Kings and he said he had a five-year plan, and he traded uh, traded all the captain and the veteran, and he had nine picks in the first three rounds his first year there, and you know the five-year build is history, and you look at what Babcock said when he went to Toronto. And it's pretty much the same thing, is that he had a five-year plan. I think those kids are way ahead of what I was expecting out of them. So good for Toronto. That's probably a year or two ahead of where, where uh, you know, he's making the playoffs this year. Um, and that's that's the – I see Mr. Foley, Mr. And, and the rest of that front office putting in place is – yeah, we players, but uh, we're not going to take any term, to, so to speak. Um, we're going to do assets, and if there's a little pain in year two, three, they'll be ready. Year four, the other assets will mature. Then you can start thinking about, you know, signing free agents or actually making trades for players. To fill what holes you didn't, weren't able to fill in the draft. And I say very, don't want to do what the Florida Panthers bring in the best available player off. off and this.
2: You break it up again, Mark. I, you
0: don't want to take the Florida Panthers' path. Um, It took them 20 years to recover from that. And just the philosophy that we're seeing put in place here. I, for one, am a fan. I can go through a year or two of moving players out, trade deadline moves, picking it up, looking at the entry draft, growing the kids, and looking at year four as the the year where this plan comes into maturity. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, Dana. I, I think you're probably on the same page.
1: Oh yeah, no. There's no doubt about it. I mean, George McPhee said that this morning. I mean, there's a fine line between being competitive and trying to build for the future, and I don't think it's. Um, you know, we've had this debate quite a bit about. You know, there's some school of thought here that you know, if they win 20 games, it's fine, and and I'm, you know, and there's other people that want to win hockey games. I'm somewhere in the middle because it's not about. It's not about winning or losing. It's not about the the W and A L column. It's about how you do, uh, how you lose. And, and if they are on in a if they are competitive night in night out, um, if they lose, you know three two and there's an empty netter and it's four two, whatever the case may be. I just want to make sure that everybody here walks out of T Mobile Arena and, and can kind of foresee where the future is going, rather than kind of being in the spot where. You know, maybe like you're in Colorado or you know before this week you're in Arizona where you don't really know where the future's going. You don't have a good feeling about the future. you'd have instability um and and I think that if you know you could be like you know Toronto was a couple of years ago where you can foresee where the future was because all you had to do was look at what the Marleys were doing and knew you knew you had people yeah. coming up that were going to make you better. and in fact, at the end of that season they had they had you know, a ton of Marley's came up and they played extremely well. And I think that that created an excitement in Toronto. And as long as people here can foresee what the future is going to bring and they buy into what George McPhee is selling, I think that they will – you'll be able to withstand the losses the first couple of years. Now, year three, I think that's when expectations are going to start. But I think expectations should come in the form of are they improving? And if they are always improving – then ultimately they will get to where they want to be. It may not be in your time or my time, but ultimately they'll get to be where they are. Now, the problem would come is if you see a regression. And sometimes you regress to get two steps better. That's that's one thing. But if you're regressing and regressing for a couple years, I think that's when the fans are going to start getting restless and rightfully so.
2: Yeah, in terms of uh, going this season, guys, I look at, you know, obviously the Pacific Division is by far uh, the weakest of the divisions. You know, unless they get ravaged by injuries, I'm not making any playoff predictions or anything like that, but they're going to be a very competitive team. Um, you know, uh, again, do I expect them to be sellers at the trade deadline? Yeah, but do I think that they'll be around NHL 500 for the first two-thirds of the season? Yeah, I can see that as well. I mean, they have a really good goalie in flurry. They have depth on defense. And they have a lot better, a lot more guys who can put the puck in the net than I envisioned they would after this expansion draft. So, and at the same time, you know, they added an Alex Tuck, a uh, top 50 prospect from the expansion draft. You know, they had three first-round picks in uh, and and last night's draft. They had three second-round picks. Uh, amongst, you know, thirds, rounds three through seven. So they've stocked the cupboard, in my opinion, very well. They will continue to stock the cupboard. They'll move some pieces and get future draft picks or, you know, get another prospect or two. And they've gotten, they also received, as Dana pointed out, the Leafs kid, a couple of young forwards. We'll see how they work out. I I think they have the right blend of, they're going to be competitive and fun this year, and they're building at the same time. So uh, I don't. I mean, again, in that division, I don't foresee you know a Colorado situation where they win 20 games and you know lose six to two every night. So I, I think this will be this will be a, a competitive team and
1: a fun team. What's funny in that specific division of the eight teams, Gerard Gallant is the fifth highest tenured coach in that division already. that's a good point um you mentioned it a little bit
0: dana and let's uh i'll go back to a little bit of what we were talking about earlier you said um until this week arizona has been um just because there are our, our you know our desert rivals so to speak what do you think of what's going on down in down in uh Arizona, and I, I didn't really foresee Coach Tippett going down the road. So that's a, this late in the offseason. I think that might be a tough hole to fill. But, you know, <clears throat> going back to even letting Mike Smith go, clearly, which I I think is a great move for that franchise. That's way overpaid for him after, after the one Western Conference final season. Um, but then you bring in the step on and you bring in – the in. What do you what do you what do you what do you make of what's going on down in Arizona?
1: Uh, it's interesting. Um, I I did a show this week and and it was right after the Shane Doan um, where, where Shane Doan had left Arizona and, and a couple of things that's interesting down there. Um, first of all, I know Gary Bettman wasn't very happy with the way that Shane Doan uh, was dismissed. I'm not I'm not sure what you're supposed to do or exactly how it was done, but. Um, I know that Gary Bettman, who seems to have a pretty heavy hand on most of the National Hockey League teams, and especially the teams that he kind of brought into the league and probably is embracing himself, and his legacy is uh, very much uh, on the line when you talk about Arizona and Vegas to an extent. Um, so I know that Gary Bettman was not very happy with the organization in, in regards to that, but then they go out and make a, a bunch of moves that I think that, is best for that organization. And let's be honest. I mean, it's time to turn the soil over there. It's time to, you know, get the dones out and Mike Smith. And I like Mike Smith a a lot, honestly. I mean, I I think in the right situation, I think he could be an above average goaltender. Um, It it is interesting. I I don't, I don't really have a handle on what they're, what they're going to do down there because now you have, you know, you have two, uh, two net minders down there kind of the same, the same scenario that uh, that that Chad Johnson was had in St. Louis, I guess, you know, potentially or or really, and at sometimes he had in had in Calgary. Um, you know, I I don't always love the one and one A goaltender situation. I know it worked in in Pittsburgh, but you know certainly on the of the same hand that we saw in New York, where it absolutely did not work, and you know really probably. You know, we saw that Holak was not was not happy with a three-goaltender system. And, you know, it, it, well, rightfully so, maybe. Um, but, you know, honestly, at least they're making some moves. Make, at least they're doing something to get people excited about Arizona Coyote hockey. Um, but, you know, let's be honest. I mean, I, I, I know they will make them better defensively, but I just, you know, still think that they're going to be on the bottom half of of. You know the bottom half of the league for sure. I mean, I look you. You got you, you got a guy like Ranta and Chad Johnson. Okay, and and Chad's a, or Ranta's going to you, you might get one year out of Ranta depending on what they're going to do next season. But you know, here's a couple guys that are kind of around the same age that usually are. You know, these guys are kind of hitting their peak as goaltenders, and now you're asking them to. I I would say be in a sixty forty situation and. You know, maybe Rams is the better of the two. Maybe Chad Johnson wins this job, but uh, maybe Chad Johnson's not even there. Um, so the, well, I, the
2: what I could what what I could tell you, Dana, is uh, Chad Johnson. Having seen him, he's he's a really good backup goalie. So you know, his, his his plan, the plan for him, if he does resign there, is to play thirty some odd games and. Ranta, who seems to have come into his own, played really well for the Rangers last year. You know, he's going to get, you know, two-thirds of the start. So, I think, yeah, you know, in terms of long term, we'll have to wait and see. They don't really have any kid goalies in the pipeline. So, uh, you know, from that perspective, so Ranta's going to have to prove himself this year that he is truly a number one. But
1: I think that's, I think that's the plan out there in Arizona. In terms of the net netminders. Okay, well that's fine if he's happy doing that. I know, you know, I mean he got uh, forty five games in Buffalo, and if that you know, I mean I would think as a net miner, my idea of where I'm going in my career is to be a starter somewhere. So you know, I mean if he's happy doing that, then that and that's fine, and that's exactly what he's going to be. Uh, we still have to see Ram take the load, uh, the number one load. So that's that still re- still remains to be seen as well, but. You know, a guy that that played forty-five games in Buffalo, and now, you know, he basically is being told you're going to be a definitive backup. I don't know. I don't know him personally, so I don't know how he's going to take that. But I know, as a professional, I think I would rather be in a position where I would probably get the majority of the starts.
2: Yeah, I don't think. Especially anyone, if you're going to any be any I don't think anybody in this league views Chad Johnson as a number one goalie.
0: Yeah, but what Dana's is saying is that he views he might view himself as as somebody that's fine, Then go in and, one, and, yeah. and,
2: and, and and go in play great, and well, and make it so they can't take you out of the
1: net. There you well, go. Well, no, let, me you, let me ask you this: if he was in if he was in Colorado, would they view him as a number one goaltender?
2: Huh. It doesn't yeah. matter who plays cool in Colorado. It's an absolute mess over
1: there. Well, I mean, you know, if, I, if I'm him and I just came off of getting – if I had 45 starts in Buffalo and a, and a quality save percentage, I mean, there's not too many guys that would play 45 games in this league and still have a 920 save Well, that, was,
2: that, was,
1: that was two years ago.
2: and got uh, so He got on a good stretch. Yeah, he got on a good stretch, which he did at, at times with Calgary. He got on a good stretch, but look, like I said, if of of all the situations out there in terms of playing in front of a team with potential and having a chance to wrangle away the number one job, he's not going to get a better situation than Arizona. Name me no, the situation with that. as a free. So, I think it works for both. Sign a one-year deal and show everybody, hey, I'm I'm capable of being a number one guy. And that's a win-win for Arizona
1: as well. That That is true, because if he doesn't prove it, it, because if Ranta doesn't come in, and, I mean, Ranta's has yet to play more than 30 games in this season. So if Ranta cannot come in and take the number one role, then obviously you have a guy that has played uh, a season, at least in Buffalo two years ago, uh, a few more games.
2: He played yeah, really well for, for the Rangers for sure. last year, was, was what I could tell you. And he played against... So a lot of good teams, too. They just didn't put them up against the powder puffs.
0: No, for sure. But, Chris, no, I, when I, you look at I, I, how backup goalies um, backup goalies are backup goalies, we've seen guys like – I'm going to use two Kings goaltenders as an example. You go off the, both ends of the spectrum. you got a guy like Jonathan Bernier who had a 2.12 goals against average for the Kings, was a, I don't know, 14th or 16th overall pick in the draft, came in. Lights out behind Jonathan Quick in the Kings' defensive system. Great market value. He goes up to Toronto playing in front of a porous defense. Loses any confidence he had, any confidence the organization had in him. And off he goes to Anaheim where, you know, he was sitting there in the spotlight ready to win a series against a team that had its first center and second center knocked out of the lineup. And guess what? He falls on his face. Then you have Mark Jones who came into the league and underrated, under, under-touted backup goalie, got into some games behind uh, Jonathan Quick, increased his value on the open market, and then take San Jose to the Western Conference Final. So backup goalies are backup Stanley, goalies.
2: And, Stanley and Cup Rantamago,
0: Final. Stanley Cup Final. There you go. Thank you for correcting me. So and, Andy Ronza could come out and, and be the next Martin Jones, but he could go down to Arizona and just as easily be the next Jonathan Bernier. Um, so yeah. think, to Dana's point, having the Chad Johnson there as a guy who has shouldered the load, so to speak, recently, um, I, it, it, and to your point as well, it's a table for him, especially you know when Renta comes out and he's looking at a two five two seven Golden against, and he gets in for a stretch of games really well, it, you know, one money, and uh, he can improve his, his market value, but. Um, I I I know you're high on roster, but it, it's that backup goalie thing. Well, some guys like and I, just I, I, that well, earlier. I, If you have I, a I'm high on, on
2: Ranson, too. I'm high on Ranczo in terms of it's it solves a, a need for now. And you got him in that 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 deal was all about getting Stepan, but to get him in that 100%. in that deal, quite honestly, there's not a free agent goalie out there that's worth getting, come July 1st, and I don't know how they feel about Peter Mrazek, who was exposed in expansion, or what the price tag would be for getting Philip Grubauer. But to your point is another young backup goalie. We don't know if he's number one. He could be. He could for be sure. Martin Jones, uh, to your point, or he could be Bernier. So, uh, given their limited choices, if you will, I think I think they uh, went the smart way. Now, at the end of the day, both guys might might be one year guys and then they're gonna to have to regroup and the team takes a step forward and the players uh that they're, they're building round take a step forward and move on from there, you know, to have a positive year, uh kind of thing. So you know we'll 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 see. I mean, like I said, uh given given the alternatives, uh I mean if I was them I would have loved to try to trade for Philip Grubauer. Now maybe between the price with Vegas if they took him instead of Nate Schmidt, uh, was going to be very high, which it probably would have. And now it's trying to deal with Washington. The price might be even higher. So Ronta is, I think, an excellent fallback situation, is how I would probably put it.
0: Let me, uh, just, we're
2: talking the Kyle's talk radio network here. Uh,
0: let me let me just stop Tanner real quick, and I want to get him on the just the first three picks in the entry draft that the Knights did. Is is Arizona in a better position with Mike Smith and Louis Domingue, or are they in a better position with Antevanta and Anderson?
1: Well, no, the latter easily. That's I, I'm kind of I mean, it's, it's not right, so. It's, yeah, it's not even. Yeah, it's really for me. It's not even close. It, just for the matter of again, just turning the soil over there and getting something else and doing something else and bringing in some new blood. I mean. Um, I'm I'm not anti Louis Domingue at all. I mean, I, I think he's he's okay. am I, I, not a guy I would be rushing to get off my roster for sure, but uh they're certainly better than they were a year ago. And and so in that yeah. in that regard, they've certainly upgraded their team and and have given some given Arizona some something to be excited about rather than sitting around complaining about the way Shane Gone was dismissed. Yeah, and, and yeah. And if I can make a, a real quick point about, a re, well, yeah, a real quick point about that is, is
2: that is a bit that is a bit um, confusing. Look, he's been there 19 years. He's been great for the franchise. The franchise has been great for him. There's nothing wrong. You know, the island organization loves Travis Hamonic, but they treat their say what you will about them. They treat their players right because you know today. Uh, this early this afternoon on Calgary radio, he talked about how loyal. He's never met someone as loyal as Dark Snow. So you treat your people right, and that's what, they should have said, Shane. We can't thank you enough for the last two decades, but we need to go in another direction. You'll always be a coyote, and then you leave it off like that. So I don't know what or how the message was conveyed, but for Gary to say a- something, a- it, must, <laughs> it must have been pretty bad. Well, I will say
1: this. There was there was a little confusion on whether or not Doan was going to leave as well. And the one thing, the one entity in all this that we we don't have the privilege of being involved in is the actual discussion between management and Doan and Doan. And you know, if that if he right. was kind of undecided what he was going to do, there might have been a little bit of frustration uh, between the two. And um, you know that the, the culmination of that. Probably was the reason why it wasn't at least publicly done the way everybody thought it should have been done. And I, I am not ready. I mean, and talking to people that are close to that organization, I'm not ready to sit there and put all the blame on the Arizona Coyotes because I think Don held them hostage for a little bit too. I think they wanted to know exactly what he, what his intention was, and he wasn't sure.
0: I'm on board with with that as well, Dana. A lot of and if the term of the contract was expired and the decision by management was to you know not give him another one year you know four five six million dollars we don't know what he was asking for um but yeah you part ways and I think the public flap of oh they did don't wrong you know um no, they didn't do it. See, I, and I, listen, I understand I what don't he's think saying. So. And I, and I, I don't think so. I, I
1: think there's a reason that there's a way to do things, but it's not they did don't, don't wrong. They paid them all these years. Okay, and I understand there's yeah. a way to do things and a way not, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out the way everybody wants. And sometimes, it, you know, it doesn't have to be Great. Jerry Jones, Tom Landry, but at the same time, you know, it does there doesn't have to be a parade in Tempe for, you know, it doesn't have to be a fiesta bowl parade for these guys. You got paid to do your job. And if, in fact, that you were yep. undecided and what you were going to do, I can see where management, who, by the way, hasn't been with you 20 years, can be a little frustrated yes. by the fact that, that you can't decide what you're going to do when they would like to move forward. Keep in mind, he's been with the organization 20 years. But the organization, the players involved right now, have not been with him 20 years. And, and no, with also sure. respect uh-huh. to Shane Jones, who's,
2: who's had a terrific career, he is, I believe, 40 years of age. Uh, you know, this is not a real He is 40.
0: World.
2: Yeah, so... He's uh, not um, a spring chicken. Know, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think... It, but I would say this, I think getting Step On was also a, a real good move for Arizona as well.
0: I, I, and you know what the, we, the the Coyotes fan support and and everything in Phoenix is well documented, and I'm not going to slam the organization for that because there's a whole lot of factors. There. <coughs> that being said, in the Phoenix community, he's not very... You know what I'm saying? He's he's in the hockey community. A 20-year captain of a franchise is, is a legend in Phoenix, the owner, He's a he's a minor figure in the Arizona sports community. I bet Randy Johnson is more well known because of the time he pitched for the Diamondbacks than Shane Dunn is in Phoenix. And and he's certainly not as valued to the community as as
2: Larry Fisher or like that. Um, so and and I'll go back again I, I actually, again
0: being loyal to your to your to your player. You could you could directly draw a line between Dean Lombardi and his loyalty to Mike Richards and a couple of other players on that roster. Something that for me was obvious. He, he had lost a step in the injury, but uh, Mike Richards contract.
2: Yeah. No, nope. Mark, you're breaking up again. Uh-oh.
0: You talk about uh, loyalty to a player. Um, that loyalty probably cost Dean Lombardi his job.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I actually have a question for uh, for Dana and then one for you, Mark. In terms of Vegas, July 1st being next Saturday, uh, do you each of you guys have a player? Well, you know, forget about salary cap for a second. You know, you could dream big. If I said to you, you could have one player that Vegas can really go out and, and get and you think is a good fit for today and tomorrow, who would it be?
1: Well, my player was T.J. Oshie, and that was kind of on the <laughs> – so I guess well, that's not going to happen anywhere. I mean, that was Chris, on the premise. Was on, that, yeah, Chris was on board with that too. Yeah, I mean, that was on the premise that I thought she would – And, and look, I mean, I was on that before we even talked about Marc-Andre Fleury because I just didn't think they were going to take out his contract. And, you know, it was also predicated on the fact that I thought – after the expansion draft is over that they'd be around 55 50 and then you know maybe get a few free agents and have some cap space left over and instead they decided to do the opposite and go right up against the cap and then shed the shed salary which is actually it's much sm- more it's more smart or smarter i guess uh you know because obviously it's this way that you're able to, to gain assets by doing that but you know, honestly, you know, of the guys that you're looking at right now, I mean, I just, you know, do you want to go out and get a Martin Handle? I mean, I don't think so. I think they're good. Uh, I don't think I want to bring a off in here. You're certainly not looking at, and I'm looking at, at wingers that can play on that right side. I mean, I think, you know, guys like Jager and Gianto, I mean, those guys are not coming in here. So maybe... You know, I, I you you talk about a guy that's that is at the right price that could play at a position that you kind of need right now. Maybe you're looking at Brett Conley. Maybe you're looking at a PA Parenteau. You know, somebody like that. Even though I think Parenteau's was you know a little bit uh, long that's in the your, tooth. As Dana, well. your
2: your guy is PA Parenteau.
1: No, I mean, I just, there's got to be a better
2: <laughs> there's got to be a better guy than that.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I said Brett Conley, so that was. That that's my better of the guys. But of you, of what you have right now, I mean, who are you bringing in? Everybody else is, is 35, 36 years old and making three, $4 million a year. If you're trying to shed salary, I plan. don't know where else you're going to yeah. go to. I mean, honestly, I don't see anybody. I mean, if you really want an answer, I don't see anybody you're bringing in. But if I'm forced to pick a player, it, it would be Brett Conley. Really? It doesn't yeah, be, cost uh, anything. Be, All right. I will.
0: We got about a minute left, guys.
2: Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I would think if they run. can move some defense, if they can move some defensemen, I would think Patrick Marleau could be a good choice. But what do you think, Mark?
1: At seven million, um, thirty-seven. Yeah, He's not gonna
2: get seven million.
1: He's we got
0: 4 million. We got thirty seconds. I'm not on board with bringing in anything over two or three million dollars a year. What are you signing free agents huh. for right now? We, we know what the team's going to be. You might want to fill a hole on the right side with a depth player and call it good. I don't uh, I don't think we're signing players That's to sharp. improve the the play on the ice. Um, Patrick Shark might be a nice one, pick. But anyway, we got to run here at 14 seconds. So uh, thank you for coming on, sir. I do appreciate your time, as always. Um, this is the Vegas Hockey Podcast from Mark, Chris, and Dana. We're
2: gone.